Welcome to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We begin this month's theme on the four pillars of strengthening relationships. Today's message is on forgiveness. And just as our God is a forgiving, gracious, and compassionate God, we too need to emulate that in our everyday lives with everyone. Now, let's listen to today's teaching by Pastor Harlan Purdy on the importance of forgiveness in relationships and how unforgiveness can stand between you and God. But when we forgive, it leads to purification of the Spirit and sets you free from carrying a heavy burden. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. How many of you are in a relationship? How many of you are in a relationship? Now you know what? Some of you are lying to me this morning. We're all in a relationship of one form or another. Relationships. We all have them. We have lots of them. We have various kinds of relationships. We have relationships that are close. We have relationships that are much more distant. We have relationships with people that we see every day. We have relationships with people that we may only see once a decade. As a matter of fact, I I have a relationship with an individual that I saw for the first time since the last time that I saw them 50 years later. And she remembered my name. She was my grade two teacher. And you know what she told me? She said she had been following my career my entire life. Now I must have made some kind of an impression in grade two. And I can imagine what kind of an impression that was because I was once told that teachers remember the bad students. (laughs) I probably delivered a snake to her desk. Well, we won't go into any more details than that. Relationships. Trying to keep them on track is hard work. No relationship can remain intact without effort. It's impossible. Whether we're talking about a relationship between co-workers, friends, family, neighbors, employer, employee, spouse and spouse, parents and children, no matter what title we might give to the relationship, it will only remain intact through hard work, effort. If we want to keep them strong, we'll have to work at it. Next Sunday, February the 14th, who knows what it is, and we've got... I think I heard something somewhere. Valentine's Day. So, what is Valentine's Day? People are chuckling. 
It, 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 it's a day when we celebrate love, supposedly. It's a day when husbands are supposed to, you know, really remember wives. And, you know, maybe, maybe bring some flowers or something nice. And so the month of February, we want to focus on relationships. And we want to, we want to talk about some of the important things that are necessary if we're going to strengthen relationships. And of course, underlying this are, is, is the thought of hep, helping to strengthen marriages and strengthen families. But what we're going to say about relationship is applicable to every relationship that you, you want to imagine, every relationship that you are involved with, even if it's one of those relationships that you only see each other once every 50 years. I am planning to see my grade two teacher again. Amen. That's my plan. Critical ingredient. Probably the most essential ingredient to making strong relationships is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Now I know you all make the assumption that I'm perfect. <laughs> Don't I look perfect to you? Huh? I mean, I washed my face this morning. I put some deodorant on. I'm not sure if it's still working or not, but I used it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually even dressed with a tie today. Don't I look perfect? See, I can look perfect in front of you. Because I only, I only have to do this for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. 50 minutes, an hour. <laughs> I can look perfect in front of you. But if you saw me all day, you would discover that there's a chink in my armor somewhere. And if you talk to my lovely wife, and she would give you an honest response, you would probably discover that I am just, just, a little less than perfect. You see, we, we can hurt people easily. We can hurt one another by the things we say. We can hurt one another by the things we don't say. We can offend by the things we do. We can offend because we didn't do something. We can offend intentionally we can offend unintentionally we, we, we can offend and have absolutely no idea that we've done it but the, real, the reality is, is if you are in any kind of a relationship at some point offense will happen it's inevitable you will be hurt and the other person will be hurt and the only way to get through the hurt is with forgiveness. It's with forgiveness. So we want to talk a little bit about forgiveness this morning. Turn with me to 
the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. I want to begin reading at verse number 15 and through to verse number 22, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read this portion of Scripture. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I pause here for a moment? And just remind you of the setting of that text because people use that text in all kinds of ways. They use that text to talk about binding Satan. Can I be really challenging this morning and tell you that you can't bind Satan? Only Christ can do that and he will not be bound until the end of time. You don't need to bind him anyway. The Bible says if you resist him, he'll run away. This Binding and loosing is talking about offenses and forgiveness. You can bind up an offense by refusing to forgive or refusing to be forgiven, or you can loose an offense by forgiving. Back to the text. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Again, this is in the context of sinning against one another and forgiving. Not telling you that you can ask God for 25 gold coins and get them. For wherever two or three come together in my name, there I am with you. And this discussion by Jesus prompts Peter's response Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. May the Lord bless his word to us today. You may be seated. You see, the foundation of forgiveness is receiving God's forgiveness. It's where all forgiveness begins. The most critical of all relationships is our relationship with the Heavenly Father. The most critical of all relationships is my relationship with God. It it is more critical, it is more important than my relationship with Elen. It takes priority over every other relationship. If that relationship is not in good order, then every other relationship is going to be impacted. This is relationship number one. It's the most critical. And we begin life with that relationship broken. 
Word of God tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We, we are separated from, from God. We need forgiveness. In his book, Philip Yancey, who wrote What's So Amazing About Grace, tells the story of Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway grew up in a very devout evangelical family. And yet, he never experienced the grace of Christ in his home. He lived what could only be described as a libertine life. In other words, he, he, he lived for a good time. Most of us would call his lifestyle dissolute, depraved, immoral, self-indulgent. But there was no father, no parent waiting for him, and he sank into a deep, deep depression, a sense of a loss of hope. He wrote a short, short story. Uh, perhaps that short story reveals the grace that he hoped for. And Ernest Hemingway writes this story, and, and he writes about a, a father who, in the moment of remorse, takes, takes out a, an ad in an Italian newspaper called El Libro. The ad read, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon, Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. When the father arrived at the destination and he walked into the square in hopes of meeting his own son, 800 Pacos are waiting in the square. 800. Was Paco a super popular name? Or is it just that forgiveness is such a deep felt need in people's hearts? We, we all recognize at the deepest level of our being that something is broken. And we know, we recognize that our relationship with God is not intact. Thankfully, God reached out to us. John 3.16, we all know it by heart. Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God recognized that the relationship was broken, that we really couldn't do anything to help it. We probably wouldn't even look for help. So he started the process. He initiated redemption. We need only ask for and receive God's forgiveness. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. My friend, 
If you have experienced God's forgiveness this morning, you should rejoice. The Apostle Paul wrote of himself that he believed, he felt he was the chiefest of sinners. Paul, Paul was a devout Jew. He might possibly even have been a member of the Sanhedrin. He certainly was a high official in the Jewish religion in Jerusalem because it was he who gave assent to the execution of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Well, maybe the second Christian martyr. We perhaps could say Jesus was the first martyr in a sense, although his death was not a martyrdom, it was a sacrifice. Paul... Paul lived a very high moral life. He followed a strict code of ethics and integrity and morality. And his intent, the driving force of his life was to serve God. He believed with every fiber of his being that destroying Christians was actually serving God. But he writes of himself, I'm the chiefest of sinners. The truth of the matter is we can all say that about ourselves. There isn't a sin that has ever been committed in the midst of the human family that you and I don't have the seeds for that sin in our heart. The sinful nature. We have the seed for it. We, we may not have nurtured it. We may not have walked on it. But, but we have offended God beyond description. But he forgave us. He forgave us. I stand before you this morning a man who can parrot the, the words of Paul. I am the chiefest, the worst of all sinners because because the seed that produces murder was in my heart the seed that produces the worst of robberies and the worst of 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 crimes upon humanity in my heart they were there only God's grace only God's redemptive work Stop that from happening. So I can say this morning, thank God I'm redeemed. He has saved me from the worst of destructions. He has saved me this morning. You can say the same thing. We have been forgiven the most horrendous of sins because we have been forgiven of being God's enemy. The carnal mind, the unredeemed heart, is the enemy of God. We rejected Him. I could go on and on and on. But if you don't already know how sinful you were, how much God has forgiven you from, I'm not going to be able to convince you this morning. But your sin, 
was so great that it took the blood of Jesus to cleanse it away. It took the blood of Jesus. It took the sacrifice of God's own Son, the incarnate Christ, to cleanse you and make you whole. We are forgiven. We have been forgiven more than we could ever possibly imagine. What God did to bridge the gap that separated us from Him is beyond description. We should be forever grateful. That's the foundation. Because I am forgiven, I can forgive. So, if we're going to have strong relationships, we, we begin building that relationship upon this one relationship that I am forgiven by God, I am in relationship with God, and all of my other relationships flow out of that. So therefore, I can forgive others. I can forgive you. You say, what do you need to forgive me for? I can forgive you because I'm forgiven. You can forgive me. Some of you might say, what do we need to forgive you for? We can forgive each other. You can forgive the person sitting next to you. You can forgive the person you're going to go home with. Because we're forgiven. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. I can forgive my father. I can forgive my Sunday school teacher. And I'm not going to go into any details as to why I might need to forgive them. But I can do that because I am forgiven. We need to understand offenses will come. If you look to the Gospel of Luke chapter 17 verses 1 to 6 and I'm not going to read it uh, but just, just quickly if you look at that text it, you will discover that, that there is an aspect of forgiveness that, that really we need to understand offenses will come people will offend us they will hurt us the only way you're going to avoid that is by locking yourself away in a room and never encounter another human being from now until the moment that you die. And that's not possible because we can't exist in isolation. We, we, we would fall apart. If we look carefully at this text in Luke chapter 17, we'll discover something important for us. Verses 3 to 4, we'll discover that forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Like love. Love is a choice, not a feeling. People talk about falling in and out of love. You don't fall in and out of love. You choose to love or you choose not to. Can I be really frank? There are times when Elen doesn't feel like forgiving me. She does. See, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. I choose to forgive. Sometimes we may feel like something very different than that, but we choose to forgive. Verse number six, something else that's important about forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is a process, not an act. Forgiveness is a process. It's not a momentary act. There's, there's a lot that has to follow through when we forgive. We have to follow through on behaviors. We have to follow through on actions. We have to follow through on changes. Not, now, 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 don't misunderstand. Not the other person. If we choose to forgive, we have to follow through in that process and act out that forgiveness, which may require us to make many significant changes as a result of our forgiving. Now, forgiveness isn't forgetting. How many of you think God forgets your sin? Who's going to quote me the verse that says, and God will cast all of our sin into the sea of his forgetfulness? Anybody going to quote me that verse? Yes, I will. You will? Where is it? Me. Well, where, where is it in the Bible? I'll give you $1,000 U.S. if you can find it. It's not in the Bible. People quote it all the time, but it's not in the Bible. What the Bible actually says is he will cast our sin into the depths of the sea. The Bible never says that God will forget your sin. What it says is that he will remember it against you no more. There's a difference between remembering and forgetting. You see, God doesn't forget. How many of you forget, have forgotten the last sin that you repented of? How many of you have forgotten the first sin that you remember committing? Anybody? Anybody that you can't remember? Your sin, okay. The first one, okay. You can't remember the first one. Can you remember any of them? How many of you cannot remember a single one of your sins? Anybody? You see, if God, if God forgot your sin, you would have knowledge that God doesn't have because you remember it. That would mean that God is not omniscient. God doesn't forget our sin. Here's what happens. He chooses not to recall it and hold it against us. See, I can't forget your sin against me. I can't forget the words that you said in anger. I can't forget the thing that you did. I can't forget the time that you hauled off and... I can't forget that. It's burned in my memory. What I can do, however, is I can choose not to bring it to the surface and use it against you in the future. That's what God does. He chooses not to bring our sins to the surface and use it against us. He keeps it buried under the blood of Jesus. I can keep your offenses against me under the blood of Jesus. I can choose to do that won't be easy, but I can do that. Forgiveness requires faith, not reason, in verse number 5, if you look at that text. Forgiveness requires faith. You see, I have to trust that God's ability to bring about justice is far better than mine. And so if I choose to forgive, I'm surrendering all of that in faith to God. We forgive those who ask 70 times 7, 490 times. 
Does that mean that we keep our notebook? Write a name on the top of the page? Number one. Number two. 487, we're getting close. Three more and no more. No, what, what Jesus is saying to Peter is, is whenever you're asked to forgive, you forgive. You choose to forgive. Not only that, if we really want to find freedom and we really want to find strength in our relationships, we choose to forgive those who do not even ask us to forgive. You say, how can you forgive someone who doesn't ask for forgiveness? Don't they have to ask in order for them to, to really get forgiveness? They have to ask in order for their forgiveness to work out in their life. But you can choose to forgive just like Jesus did on the cross. Was anybody at the foot of the cross saying, oh God, forgive me, I didn't know the soldiers who put the nails in his hands, the Jewish leaders who brought false charges and brought him before Pilate and demanded that he be crucified, the crowd that cried out, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. What should I do with Jesus? Kill him. Crucify him. Put him on the cross. Was, was any member of the crowd, was any member of that group that condemned him standing around the cross saying, Oh, we were wrong. Please forgive us. Not a one. But from the cross, Jesus looks out over the crowd and he looks towards heaven and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. They don't know. Father, forgive them. Stephen, a godly man, full of the Holy Spirit, had preached the gospel and saw miracles take place and ministered to, to widows and took care of the needs of people in the church day by day, found himself being accused falsely of blasphemy. He's brought before the Jewish court, condemned, taken out into a, 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 the area where executions were done, in the Kidron Valley. And there on the hillsides, as Stephen stands there, the, the crowd pick up stones and they begin to throw them, hitting him all over his body until finally he collapses to the ground nearing death and in the final moments of his life he lifts, lifts up his head and he cries out Lord forgive them forgive them Stephen in a moment of death forgave his executioners who were not asking for forgiveness but Stephen chose to forgive because he did not want to have unforgiveness in his heart putting poison into his spirit. 
even though some of the people that will hurt you will not ask for forgiveness, won't even necessarily admit that they need to ask for forgiveness, you can still forgive them. And set yourself free. Doesn't set them free. You need to understand this. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It makes you free, says Stormy O'Martian. Forgive those who wrong you, not because they deserve it, but so you can be free. Philip Yancey, in What's So Amazing About Grace, writes this. At last I understood, in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own rights to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave it in God's hands. And God holds the scales that must balance justice and mercy. The power of forgiveness. Why should we forgive those who seek it? Why should we forgive those who do not ask, may not even know that they hurt me? Well, lots of reasons why, but for those of you who are married, let me, let me give you the results of a a survey that was conducted with 200 married couples in regards and in relationship to forgiveness. The researchers were asking this question, how one's ability for, to forgive others would affect their marital satisfaction and personal well-being. They were astounded at the results. The research suggests that there is a huge relationship between marriage satisfaction and forgiveness. In fact, it appears that as much as one-third of marriage satisfaction is related to forgiveness. Not only does the ability to forgive impact the marriage relationship, it was significantly related to personal emotional distress. As forgiveness ability went up, Individuals reported fewer symptoms of depression, fewer symptoms of anxiety, and less fatigue. These results are powerful. And they suggest that there is a strong relationship between forgiveness and our physical, mental, and spiritual health. And forgiveness is something that I can choose to give. And no relationship will remain intact. No relationship can be strong. No relationship can grow in its strength without forgiveness. Do you want to make your relationship with your children stronger? Do you want to make the relationships with the people that you work with stronger? Do you want to make the relationship with your parents stronger? Do you, do you want to make relationships with former persons that, that you were close and now you're far distant from 
stronger? Do you want to bring healing into those relationships? Do you want to bring some healing, some restoration into broken relationships? Forgiveness. And we can forgive because we've been forgiven. Lastly, sometimes the hardest thing in relationship to forgiveness is to forgive ourselves. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention it. Oftentimes we carry guilt and shame. We carry a sense of brokenness. We remember. We look back. Our hearts break with guilt. And we just can't forgive ourselves. We, we, we keep holding ourselves in prison. If God has forgiven me, who am I to condemn me? There are lots of things in my past that I cannot change. But I have to ask myself the question that we find in the book of Job, chapter 4, verse 17. Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall I be more just than God? Will you, shall you be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Am I more righteous than God? No. But when I refuse to forgive myself, or I refuse to forgive another, it's exactly what I'm saying because if my wife, my children, my parents, my Sunday school teacher go to God in the name of Jesus and ask to be forgiven, what is our Heavenly Father going to say? If we confess our sin, faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All. From the smallest of sins to the greatest, if we can use that terminology. If my Heavenly Father is willing to forgive the Bundys of this world, who am I to refuse to forgive someone who injures me? Who am I to nail myself to the cross and hold myself guilty and shameful for the things that I have done? If my Father in heaven has forgiven, and I can forgive even myself.
Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We pray that you have been blessed by the Word of God. You can stay connected with us by visiting our website, citypentecostal.church. God bless you, and see you again next time. Sing it out. I was in Tanzania, in Kenya, and in Uganda as well. Any Swahili people this morning, they also wanted to sing this. This is what they said. What a man I Oh, what a man I Oh, what a man I see. Do so good. What a man I see. What a man I see. Oh, what a man. Any Swahili people coming from. What a man I see. Do so good. Oh, do so good. Do so good. Yes. Do so good. Simba Wayuda. Vasukuru Yesu Vasukuru Oh Vasukuru Simba wa yuda Vasukuru Yesu Vasukuru And then when I came to Malawi Any Malawians this morning They also wanted to sing this This is what they said I was in Canada, specifically in Quebec. Is a lady here? I was in Canada and Quebec. They also wanted to sing this. This is what they said. And finally, I was in the States and uh, in Canada, in Calgary, in uh, California. Don't worry.
spirit. I was in, I was there in the spirit. Give me the shout of praise. This is what they said. Are you ready? This way. Oh, 